1: This season,
2: we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
3: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. We both look like we're in some sort of Fight Club because our hair is equally short these days. Yeah,
4: I got the, the summer buzz cut.
3: Let's see your fingernails. You keep them trimmed.
4: Uh, well, I chew the nails, you know.
3: Yeah, I got mine trimmed too.
4: Okay, is that one of the rules of Fight Club? Yeah, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. What, no scratching?
3: It wasn't a rule. It was uh, it was one of the reasons. To keep your fingernails trimmed and your hair cut.
4: Yeah. You know? you know what I'm going to bring back? I saw uh, Gangs of New York the other day again. Yeah. The fish hook. Oh, yeah. When the guy fish hooks the dude, that's a classic move yeah. in, in like old school fighting. Yeah. Like You put your fisticuffs up, and then if you <laughs> yeah. get
3: a hold of a guy, you're you gonna, give him the fish hook. You're bringing that back, huh? I'm bringing back well, the fish hook. Well, don't practice on me.
4: And I even practiced on myself a little bit because I was like... Is that really an effective move? And it hurts, and I, I didn't even I do imagine. it. I imagine.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it hurts me right now just trying it. Yep. I'm going to bring back uh, vertically striped pants. <laughs> okay. Okay. And official cue. Um. So how are you doing? It's been a little while. Uh.
4: No, it's been what three or four days. <laughs> In the magic of uh, podcast releases, mm-hmm. we well, are right on schedule.
3: Okay. I have a story for you. Let's hear. It. It's tragic. No. But okay. it's interesting, and it relates to what we're talking about. Like okay. any good intro should. Great. So uh, in April, April 2013, a uh, woman, was she was hiking through the Pyrenees in France with uh, a couple of friends. And she lost her footing and she fell 980 feet. Wow. About 300 meters to her death, obviously. Yeah. And um, of course, her friends were like, oh, my God. They probably said something like Sakura Blue or something like that. Right. And contacted the authorities. And the authorities got out there pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Within 45 minutes, they located and reached her dead body. Uh But what they found was nothing but her bones and her tattered clothing and shoes. 45 minutes? Within 45 minutes, the local griffin vultures had picked the woman clean. Wow. She went from being alive to 45 minutes later being a skeleton. And as gruesome as that is, it's actually a really good sign if you are pulling for healthy vulture populations.
4: Yeah, and you know what? That actually dispels a myth right off the bat. Vultures actually prefer fresh meat. Yeah, okay. They don't necessarily like rotten flesh, uh, but they will eat rotten flesh. But they prefer fresh meat of a dead carcass, though.
3: Right. Now... The reason why there were so many vultures, why they were able to pick this woman clean is because there's a lot of griffin vultures in France. And the reason there's a lot and the reason that they're hungry is because the French government says, you can't shoot these vultures. Right. Leave them alone. And also farmers, burn your dead livestock. So you have a bunch of vultures that are protected from humans, which is their number one predator. Right. Who are hungry because their food supply is being burned by said humans. So, when an unlucky human slips and loses her footing in the Pyrenees, the vultures pick her dead body clean in 45 minutes. That's pretty quick. Now, follow me, Chuck. Okay. Over to Nepal, the Himalayas. Ah, very nice. Back in the mountains. It is. Did you, I got my magic carpet cleaned. (laughs) It is very nice. It smells like a new car. I have a new car scent sprayed on it. Is that coconut? No, new car. Oh, okay. Um, so in the Himalayas, you've got two different groups the Zoroasters. And the uh, Tibetan Buddhists,
4: yeah, and they hate each other. <laughs>
3: <Right>. <laughs> they uh, are into sky burials. Remember those? Yeah, sure. Okay, so you, uh, you want to refresh everybody with a sky, yeah, a sky burial? is?
4: yeah, uh, sky burial is basically when you you leave your loved one's body out in a field for the vultures to pick clean.
3: Right, and Zoroasters very natural, and Buddhists both believe that you shouldn't just bury a dead body. Yeah, you shouldn't cremate a dead body. It pollutes the earth. So you give it to the vultures, which are kind of these spiritual beings in both religions. And they poop, and that pollutes the earth. The, pro- the problem is, is there are so few vultures in the Himalayas these days that they they can't take care of the dead bodies that they put out there. So the um, Zoroasters and, and Buddhists are having to like ship them out of the country. Really? Yes. So they're not
4: even able to perform sky burials.
3: No, they do, but I mean, it's not. They're not. Fulfilled, Right. Because there's not enough vultures. The reason why there's not enough vultures, we found out in 2006, is because of a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug called?
4: Uh, Diclofenac. Nice. Yeah. And there are 23 species total worldwide of vulture on every continent, but Australia and Antarctica, which I was surprised in Australia, man. That's like, I bet they would have a ball out there. Yeah. You know? Vulture Central. Yeah, it's just wide open territory and dead bodies everywhere. Right. And, uh, Especially
3: if Nick Cave has anything to do <laughs> exactly. with it.
4: Exactly. And uh, sadly, 14 of those species are endangered or threatened at this point. Uh, and the diclofenac is a big culprit. It's um, ranchers used it to uh, on their cattle. Yeah. And then the vultures would eat and just, like, from one eating of yeah. dead cows would, you know, kill the vultures.
3: Yeah, it gave them a kidney failure. Yeah. And, like, the vultures would be on their perches and just fall over dead. And it, it wiped out three different species of vultures, uh, Eastern Old World vultures. Yeah. So, like, 95% of the three species were just wiped out.
4: Yeah, I got 99, actually. Wow. Um, The good news is is they banned it in 2006 in India. Mm-hmm. And in 2012... It actually, the population increased for the first time in many, many, many years. Yeah. So they're slightly on the uptick in that area of the world, at least.
3: But it was a huge, like, mystery of what was going on, you know, what was killing the vultures. And luckily for these vultures, their populations were dwindling in India. Indians very much prized the vulture as, like, a necessary creature to create, I guess, or promote sanitary conditions in nature.
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if they're eating the sick animals, mm-hmm. then the sick animal bacteria isn't going to get into the ground and leach into the water. Right. And if there are no vultures around, there potentially could be like spikes and disease and things. So yeah. they're, they're actually really necessary.
3: They really are. Not only are there spikes and diseases, um, vultures kind of take it for the team, the team being the rest of the earth. Yeah. They step in and they intercede, like you said, like if a, if there's a cow with some, with anthrax or something. Sure. A vulture eats the carcass, but the vulture's digestive system is attuned to this uh, acidity level that will kill most, if not all, of whatever disease that cattle had. And so it breaks the chain of infectious diseases. Yeah. And so you think of vultures as like these very dirty animals. But they actually are performing this really specific and important ecological service to the rest of the world. Yeah.
4: And we'll get to some more like vultures are clean facts in right. a minute, which do not necessarily sound like like vultures are clean. Well, we'll tell you. We don't want to ruin it. Yeah. They're
3: cleaner than you'd think. Exactly. That's a good way to say it. And also you were saying like they, if the vultures aren't around, disease can outbreak. Not only that, they're – the service that they perform is so vital. <laughs> the service, <laughs> it is. It's a service to an extent. Like yeah, they're really basically is. nature's cleanup crew. Yeah, and they do it by eating rotting flesh carrion. And they do it really quick. Like in sky burials, b- before the the decimation of the um, of the eastern species, the Indian species. Yeah, um, they could take care of a dead body in like thirty minutes. Yeah, thirty minutes. There's no other species that can do that. And so, this service, it is a service that they pro- provide. Vultures Inc., LLC. It, it makes so much sense, evolutionarily speaking, uh-huh. that the old world species, right, that are in the eastern hemisphere yeah. and the new world species that are in the western hemisphere mm-hmm. are not related. They co evolved. Two of the same thing yeah. evolved from two different groups of animals, they're not related. So it's almost like nature was like, uh, yeah, this is never going to happen. These birds are never going to spread, but we're going to need them over here. So let's just have everything evolve into vultures. Vultures came up separately on two different sides of the world. That's how important they are.
4: Very important. Yeah. Uh, The old world vultures, uh, which are Eastern Hemisphere, like we just said, uh, there are 12 species of those, and they are related to hawks and eagles. They, They nest with sticks and things, like you might see a vulture nest. Like sticking out on a log, sticking out from a cliff, like it's a cartoon or something. <laughs> yeah. That's how I imagine it. Uh, Western hemisphere over here is where we have the new world ones, very progressive vultures. They don't build <laughs> nests and they're just like, we're not into that because we're, we, we like mid-century modern digs. Exactly. And
3: like the California condor, especially.
4: Yeah. And you know, the condor is, uh, is rebounding. Talk about endangered? They dipped to a low of 25 in the 1980s. Yeah. And now, as of 2012, there are 405.
3: And they're pretty awesome. Their wingspans get to be like nine feet across.
4: Yeah, I think the it's not the California condor, but I think it's one in Africa that can get as high as 11, as wide as 11. Jeez. That's a big bird, man.
3: Yeah, it's huge. Like, that bird could take you down.
4: Yeah, and I think people don't like vultures because, A, they feed on carrion, and it's sort of gross. Right. People think, another myth, that they circle dying animals just waiting for them to die. It's not true.
3: No. But Um, because they circle and because like a California condor can circle up to like 15,000 feet. That's amazing.
4: It is. But they smell these things, right?
3: It depends. Uh, They have either really great sight, really great smell, or both. So in North America, turkey vultures have incredible sense of smell. But they're a new world species and they're unrelated to old world species. So it can go either way, but typically it's either their sight or their smell that's really, really great.
4: Yeah. I like the ones that are, that look like they're wearing feather boas that are completely naked on the neck and head and then just have the big puffy, uh, black feathers around the neck.
3: Well, let's talk about that. Why would, why are vultures featherless on the head?
4: Uh, hygiene because they're sticking those heads and necks into, Carrion and rotted flesh. And it's actually just, you know, it's a nature's way of saying, I don't want your, your feathers, your nice feathers, to get covered with blood and guts. Right. So it's actually sanitary. Um They don't sing either. That's another reason vultures get a bad rap. There's no, like, vulture song like other yeah, birds. Yeah, I guess
3: people do, like, singing birds. You know,
4: <laughs> vultures grunt and hiss, apparently, right. are like the two sounds they make. Oh, yeah. And that's not going to get you very far. If you're covered, if you're bald... Wearing a feather boa, grunting and hissing, and you're covered in like blood and guts. Uh-huh. People aren't gonna be like, "What a nice bird."
3: Well, yeah, it's not, and it's not just people too. Like, apparently, animals kind of vultures are like on the outskirts of all organisms. Like, uh, they have no natural predators. Um, any predators, predators they do have are like egg-hunting predators. They don't go after the live oh, no, vulture. Really? They go after the eggs. That's just mean. And then, like, you will once in a while, in times of extreme famine and hardship, find, yeah. like, a big cat attacking a vulture. But for the most part, everything That's just leaves vultures alone. H- humans, bobcats, everybody just wants vultures to just go stay over there and eat your rotting flesh, you disgusting things.
4: Yeah, and they're, they're considered birds of prey even though they're – Rarely feed on live animals, even though they will if they get hungry enough.
3: They will, yeah. The, apparently in France, where you can't kill a vulture and you have to burn your livestock. Are they attacking live animals? Yeah, they're taking away live animals. And, and and babies. That's, that's specific to old world vultures. They have a grasping foot, so they yeah. can like carry away things like babies, like you said. Right. Or New world uh, vultures are more like chickens, and they can run, but they can't grasp.
4: Yeah, and I don't even think the ones with the grasping feet are like they're still not meant to grasp that much. Right. Like from what I read, the talons, even on the ones that are able to do so, it's not like a, an eagle or a, or a barn owl or anything. Yeah. They can like snatch your cat off your back deck. Right. Um, so no feathers on the head or neck. It's sanitary. And believe it or not, what's the other thing that makes them sanitary?
3: They urinate on themselves. What? Yeah, it's true. They (laughs) pee on their own feet.
4: Yeah, they pee on their feet and legs, and it kills bacteria. It keeps them cool like our sweat does.
3: Yeah, because that that digestive system that has such a a high acidity uh, is transferred to their urine. And when they pee on their feet, they're basically cleaning off all of the nasty bacteria that got on their feet from crawling around the inside of a zebra or something.
4: Yeah. I'm proud of you for saying urinate and urine Urine. instead of pee-pee. Yeah. <laughs> uh you know what a group of vultures is called? Uh I uh, I love those questions. It's always like no, a gaggle. I,
3: I know what a crow, I know what a group of crows is called. Well, everyone knows that.
4: So. <laughs> what is that a murder? Uh, I didn't know everybody knew that. <laughs> uh apparently vultures have a lot of names. They can be a, a group is usually called a committee. <laughs> yeah, which they're like we said, they're a uh, necessary service. Right. So that's a committee. Uh a venue or a vault? And then when the vault sounds familiar, the vultures mm-hmm. when they're in flight, they're known as a kettle, which I thought was interesting, and when they're feeding, a group is known as a
3: wake thank you jump you're
4: yeah, probably so, thank you for going off in the woods and <laughs> doing your thing, yeah, <laughs> all right, so I guess we should get to vulture vomit as if we weren't grossed out enough by eating dead flesh and peeing, peeing yourself,
3: yeah, because you're saying like they they don't sing. They pee on themselves. Yeah. They, they feed on dead animals. They'll
4: eat your dead relative.
3: They One other thing that vultures are very much noted for is vomiting in times of stress. Yeah. When they're freaked out, when they feel like they're being preyed upon. When they're startled, a vulture will throw up. It's called defensive vomiting. No, hold on, hold
4: on. I think now's a good time for a little message break. Okay. And then we'll
3: talk about defensive vomiting. I promise. Okay.
0: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.
5: Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or
3: wherever you get your podcasts. Back to vomit. Yeah, when they when they throw up, they, can, they yeah. can get away a lot quicker. Yeah, like
4: I just ate four pounds of cat meat and I just puked it up <laughs> so I can fly out of here quickly.
3: Exactly. So that's one, that's one reason that avian uh, biologists think that they throw up defensively yes the other one is this it's a decoy uh it's a present to their predator like don't eat me eat this <laughs> really yeah and a lot of predators more often than not will eat whatever they vomited back up because it's not always like digested flesh it can be something like a, a big bite of meat that they just sure. you know chewed yeah Um, very recently. Yeah. So that's
4: how they feed their little baby vultures. So it's, it's regurgitation like, uh, many birds do. So it may not be so different for an eagle to swoop down and say like, Hey, that cat meat looks like it's just, you just vomited it up and you just ate it. So what's the big deal?
3: Right. And eagles actually do bald eagles specifically love to eat vulture vomit, which is weird because think about this, like the bald eagle is a revered animal, yeah, but it's not bald. The vulture is. And the, that? it eats vulture vomit. Vultures do the vomiting. Yeah. It's like turning everything just on its head.
4: You're anti-American.
3: That is not true. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: so the other th- uh, cool thing I guess you might say about vulture vomit is it's actually a defense in that it's highly acidic. Like we're talking pH levels between one and two, which is more than uh, gastric and hydrochloric acid in our own stomach. And more corrosive than acid rain, so like that's some acidic vomit,
3: yeah, I mean it's more corrosive than acid rain. it's like um if you if you i guess poured acid rain on something though you'd be like you're gonna this will eventually do something to you, maybe this is this is if you're a statue, this is going to harm you in thirty years, well, we're talking p
4: h levels yeah i you know? I
3: remember acid rain kills fish. In the acid rain podcast we did. So, yeah. I guess if a fish comes up and scares a vulture, it's in trouble.
4: Or if you bought a goldfish and you Mm -hmm. filled up your little goldfish bowl with acid rain, Mm -hmm. it might, it probably is not good for the fish. Or
3: vulture vomit. That's true. The fish is in trouble.
4: Point is, it's highly acidic and uh, even more so than other uh, birds of prey and carnivorous birds. Yeah. So, like, the vultures kick it up a notch.
3: So, and that's, that's how the vulture doesn't die. From eating bacteria that would probably kill other animals, so Chuck, that's also their um, their digestive juices are how they avoid getting sick eating things that would like kill you or me.
4: Yeah, see that's a good point because I think people probably wonder how can they eat all this like rancid disease and bacteria mm-hmm. rotted flesh. That's how
3: the pH of their stomach. Most Just things can't survive. Stuff. Although they they aren't perfect killing microbe killing machines, you can find traces of say like anthrax spores in their stool after they eat infected meat but for the most part the fact that vultures eat things that may contain disease yeah have the ability to contain that disease and are naturally reviled by pretty much everything else under the sun and stay away from everything else they are really great at Breaking the chain of infectious disease in nature.
4: Yeah, and endangered and threatened. So, like, be, be nice. Be kind to vultures. Yeah. I would encourage vultures, if you're listening,
3: learn a song or two. Mm. Wouldn't hurt. <laughs> you know? Maybe uh, I'd like to teach the world to sing. There you go. That melts everybody's heart. Yeah. Uh, yeah, any carpenter standard. Oh, for sure. Um, and also, if maybe you, like
4: one Christmas song just for the holidays.
3: That's a great one. Yeah. Uh, if you have a problem with vultures still, Hear me now. Vultures, in the absence of a healthy vulture population, there are still lots of rotting carcasses. More than there would be if the vultures were around. And where there's rotting carcasses, there's feral dog packs. And where there's feral (laughs) dog packs, there's rabies. And dogs don't stay away from humans like vultures do. They attack humans. Rat populations blow up, too, when vultures aren't around. So leave the vultures alone.
4: Good point. I got one more little tidbit for you. Okay. Um, they're actually using vultures now in forensic science. Uh, in the Journal of Forensic Science International, mm-hmm. they took a body out. Um, researcher Katherine uh, Spradley of Texas State University, San Marcos.
3: Oh, they have a body farm, remember?
4: Yep. Go Boco the cat. For Boco real? Boco the bobcat. Excuse nice. Me. Okay. Um, and I actually had to look that one up. Yeah. I... I... <laughs> Um, they have a body farm, like you said, and they recently took a body, dumped it out there uh, to see how long it would take vultures to skeletonize it and distribute the remains because basically their aim is to see how long it takes vultures to discover a body, how long it takes the vultures to skeletonize it, how far they will distribute the parts, mm-hmm. uh, what they do and don't eat because essentially when you find a body in the woods – Sometimes it can be ravaged and you don't know, like, why are there no bite marks? Who ravaged this body? Oh, How yeah. long has this body been here? That's great. Why are we finding body parts all over the place? Is this some kind of sicko mm-hmm. that's, like, tearing these bodies to pieces? So it's, uh, it's a forensic study. And um, they got a video camera triggered by motion. And it took uh, 37 days, actually, to be triggered. And thirty a 30-strong 30 wake of American black vultures. Wow. Wow. Um, Took care of the body in five hours and both of those results surprised like how long it took them mm-hmm. to get there and how long it took them to skeletonize it because it's like way longer than usual. Like we said,
3: yeah, well, 300 can take care of a body in like 30 minutes. So 30 and five hours, it's not too bad.
4: Yeah, they thought it was a little long. Um, and Th- then they got a spatial pattern of the discarded body parts right. mapped it with the GPS over 15 weeks and they're hoping that this pattern like aids, you know, forensics in the future.
3: How far is it gone, do they say?
4: No, they didn't say. Uh
3: Pretty interesting, though. Yeah, that's very interesting. Forensics. Vultures. Saving people from being unfairly accused of being a grisly serial killer. Exactly. Um, Also, one last thing. If you are interested and probably are flush with cash, you can go paragliding with vultures in the Himalayas. There's a man who's trained vultures. So you go flying on, you know, a parasail? You fly... Attached to a vulture? No, you fly <laughs> attached to the dude who trained the vultures okay. on a parasail.
4: And the vultures like hang around?
3: Yeah, they fly around you. They, they said it's like swimming with dolphins, but like 5,000 feet in the air. And they will eat <laughs> buffalo meat out of your hand. Really? Like they land on your arm and eat and then like fly around. And they're like, thank you. One of them's <laughs> name is Kevin, the vulture.
4: Really? Yeah. Will they let you paraglide with buffalo meat dangling from your ankles? <laughs> Maybe. Probably. Man, this is... I'd like to do that. That's now on my bucket list.
3: On the chuck-it list. On the chucket it list. Uh, is that it? Yeah, that's it. Okay. That is everything about vultures that we could find, everybody. We hope you enjoyed it. And uh, let's see. If you want to learn more about vultures, type vulture into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said that, it means it's time for a message break. Stuff you should
0: know.
3: And uh, how about some listener mail, huh? Yeah, this one's sort of long now that I'm looking at it. But, oh, wait, wait. Before we do that, can I plug somebody? Yeah. Okay, so... um. We are not 100% sure. I don't think we did plug this guy before. We're plugging him again if we we did. Yeah. What's the harm? Exactly. Exactly. Thomas Trask was uh, one of the finalists in our uh, Halloween horror fiction contest that we held last year, right? Yeah. And we said anybody who made it in the Sweet 16, or actually I think anybody who entered, um, if you went on to publish anything, let us know and we would plug. So Thomas Trask did just that. He uh, wrote a book called Prism. It's a sci-fi fantasy. Um, and it's on Amazon And you can buy it as paperback or Kindle So it's Thomas Trask with Prism And uh, it's probably pretty sweet Because he wrote one of my favorite um, stories yeah. the Quantum Suicide of Alice Walker Yeah, that was a good one It was mind-bending it's a, it's So indeed it was I would strongly recommend anything Trask writes, frankly Okay, now uh, it's time for some listener mail How about that?
4: Yeah, this is an oldie It's about tipping But it's a pretty good tipping story uh, this is a bartender in Vancouver. Did you read this one?
3: No, no. It's just every time I go into a coffee place now I, and I don't tip them, I'm like, do you, do you listen to the podcast?
4: Um, all right, guys. Uh, I was working for an upscale cocktail, uh, cocktail bar in downtown Vancouver. Great, relaxing, cool atmosphere. Three dudes walk in Friday night, sat at the bar, and uh, were part of a bachelor party. Uh, being a bartender, I'm pretty used to this. And I realize there could be a lot of money made if I take care of these guys. Uh, to confirm it, one of the three guys did one of these numbers where he says, We're going to be here having fun this weekend. We're going to take care of you if you give us some special attention. <laughs> you know that guy?
3: <laughs> yeah. So I went and put buffalo meat on my ankle. <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, they ordered cocktails and beers, ordered in rounds. I made sure I knew their orders, their names, and gave them new drinks when they were getting low. Nice. Uh, basically gave them really good attention. Needless to say, uh, it was great service. At the end of the night, after all the shots and drinks, Bill was about 800 bucks. The very same guy who told me I'd be taken care of Paid with this credit card in full Handed me a billfold And uh, inside was a nickel <laughs> Five cents Saturday night comes around 9pm, same guys roll in uh, Thought about what happened the night before And decided to be a good person, be the better man And greeted them by name and a smile uh, Brought out their usual drinks Acted like everything was normal Even though I was being eaten alive inside By the time their bill came It was even more than the night before Tonight, another nickel so that's ten cents on seventeen hundred bucks. <laughs> Sunday night rolls around. What do you know? The philanthropists roll in. Still aggravated, I was firm that I would be the better person still. Wow! And act like it didn't affect me. Oh yeah, man, I would be spitting in so many drinks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even if it was to spite them, uh, I was still going to be nice. Drinks were shaken, beers were poured. Around eight hundred bucks again, another nickel. Monday comes around. <laughs> the same guy comes in uh, on the day shift. And uh, thinking that they're starting early, asked if he wanted there as usual. He said no, he was alone, wouldn't be long. Sat down, pulled out an envelope, put it on the bar. He told me he really wanted to give his friend a great bachelor party and had uh, heard great things about the bar. He'd never met someone more professional and welcoming, even when they made nothing out of it. He told me that he has gone to a few bars and done this in the past. And uh, it got to the point at some places where they wouldn't even serve them on the second night. Yet I acted like nothing had ever happened. He really appreciated this, thanked me, and pointed at the envelope, envelope said so it was for me, and walked out. I almost didn't want to open it, but I'm uh, thinking it would be another nickel. <laughs> Inside was $2,000. Wow. I couldn't believe it. I was ready to kill these people all weekend, and now I just made two grand for keeping my cool.
3: And that man was Don Cheadle our family man.
4: <laughs> uh, I figured you might find it interesting, and that is Brett from Vancouver. He still has the nickels. And I say, good for you, two grand tip, and I also say... What a jerk to put this guy through this as some sort of like twisted test of yeah. how nice a bartender can be.
3: Right, he's really <laughs> like using the the uh, the Man. social power dynamic between like, customer and there's server. There's nothing funny it. about it or yeah.
4: fun about it. And you're I've really done this
3: before, and people have treated <laughs> me like a jerk accordingly. Like
4: yeah, that. and he's really risking having things put in his drink too. Like I just don't get it. So I, I would go walk in and say. On day one, this two grand is yours at the end of the weekend if you take care of us. Yeah. Like, do the opposite.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely... Yeah.
4: Or just tip like a normal person. Yeah, you could just do that. <laughs> and don't play
3: games. Yeah, every time. All right. Yeah.
4: That's my tipping story.
3: That's a, that's a good story. Yeah. Um. Good for you. What was the name of the guy? Uh, Brett from Vancouver. Way to go, Brett. Um. If you have a good story about how somebody mistreated you and then treated you well in the end, but you're not still sure if that made up for everything, we <laughs> want to hear that story. Uh, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com StuffYouShouldKnow. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at Discovery.com. And check out our website. It's awesome. It's called StuffYouShouldKnow.com.
2: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.
4: With over 100,000 titles to choose from, Audible.com is a leading provider of downloadable digital audiobooks and spoken word entertainment. Go to AudiblePodcast.com slash NoStuff, K-N-O-W-S-T-U-F-F, to get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today.